good to be with you all this morning. I'm excited. I'm really excited for um, what God has for us today. This is our second week of our series, Elijah, where we're going to be just going verse by verse through, through his life in, in First Kings. Last week, we didn't even get to Elijah. We talked about Ahab and Jezebel. If you missed that uh, beginning kickoff sermon, you can go on our website and check it out. Uh, but we're going to jump right in today. We're not going to waste any time. We're going to look in 1 Kings chapter 17, starting in verse 1. So if you have your Bible, right, you can turn there. 1 Kings chapter 17, starting in verse 1. It says, Now Elijah, the Tishbite from Tishba in Gilead, said to Ahab, As the Lord, the God of Israel lives, whom I serve, there will be neither dew nor rain in the next few years, except at my word. Okay, so let's just stop right there for a second. The first verse of 1 Kings chapter 17 introduces us to Elijah. And what's kind of interesting here is when we go back to last week, there was this lineage of of kings that were coming all the way to Ahab, who Elijah is talking to in this moment. And I thought it was interesting when reading this that there's more about how Ahab got to the throne than it does about how Elijah got to talk to Ahab. Like there's no, there's no backstory, there's no origin story of where Elijah comes from. It just says that now Elijah, right? Like here he is. This is his introduction to us. There's nothing about his family. There's nothing about all this other stuff or his ministry beforehand or other things that God has called him to. It's just here it is, verse one of chapter 17, now Elijah. He's here, right? But in this one verse, it tells us everything that we need to know about him. And that begins with Elijah, his name. It says, now Elijah, right? And Elijah, the name means my God is Jehovah or the Lord is my God. So just in his name, before Elijah even says a word, he is making a pronouncement of who he is and what he believes in. And now think about this for a second. He's going to the king, right? And you don't just knock on a king's door like it's your next door neighbor and say, hey, can we talk for a second? Right? There is appointments that have to be made and there is announcements that happen when you go to the king. So I imagine in my brain that Elijah's there to see Ahab and there is this person there, whatever their job is, is uh, king, here is Elijah, the Tishbite from Tishba and Gilead, right? And so before Ahab even knows what Elijah is going to say, he is reminded that Jehovah is his God. And that the Lord is his God, all because of what is in his name. All right, and then it goes on to say, again, in verse 1, Elijah's words, as the Lord, the God of Israel, lives. Okay? Those are his opening remarks to the king in this moment. Well, what do we know is going on with Ahab and Jezebel, the king and the queen here? They are on a mission to get God out of Israel. Right? They're tearing down the temples for the Lord and they're building temples to Baal, right? And they're building Asherah poles. And it is Jezebel's mission, it is her goal to wipe God out of Israel completely. And so Elijah, Jehovah is my God, the Lord is my God in his name, says, The God of Israel who lives, he is alive, and he is the God of Israel, no matter how hard you try to kick him out. These are his opening remarks before he even gets to why he's there. There's all sorts. These are, y'all, these are strong words. These are, these are not little things that he is saying. What he's saying in all of this is, you are not my God. Jezebel is not my God. 
in Baal certainly ain't my God. Then it goes on to say, whom I serve, right? I don't serve you. I don't serve this new God that you are introducing to Israel. I serve the God of Israel who lives. And then he says this, there will be neither dew nor rain in the next few years except at my word. Now, why no dew or no rain? Does anyone want to take a wild guess what Baal is the God of? Rain, rain and fertility, right? And so here's the message that God is sending through Elijah. You can try and kick me out. You can't. I'm the God of Israel. I live. You can introduce this, this false God, Baal, who is the God of rain, and I will tell you if it's going to rain or not. So tear down my temples all you want. Build temples for Baal. Build these Asherah poles, right? Do all this stuff. Think for a second that you can wipe me out of Israel. And I'm going to tell you right now, you're going to worship this God of rain, and I will say when it rains. I will say when it rains. I am greater than your God, and I will always be greater than your God. Y'all, here's what we need to understand, and you can write this in your notes if you're taking them. Creation will never outrule the creator. Creation will never outrule the creator. And what is happening in Israel in this moment is that creation, man, is trying to outrule the creator and saying, I'm going to wipe you out. I'm going to take you out of here and I'm going to introduce my own God. We're going to worship this God. And that is going to be our God. And God's saying, "Uh uh-uh, it doesn't work that way. You don't outrule the creator. I'm the God of rain, not you. And that is what Elijah is saying to the king in this introduction of Elijah. We serve a God who is greater. We serve a God who is greater. And Elijah is bold in this moment. John 1, 1 through 5 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Verse 3, Through Him all things were made. Jesus Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Okay, so what do we know here? Jesus is the creator of all things. Jesus is the creator of all things, and he is the light, and darkness has not overcome it. Darkness will not overcome it. Darkness cannot overcome it. Why? Because creation can't outrule the creator, and Jesus is the creator. Everything was created by him and through him. It says that right here. He was in the beginning. He is God. Jesus rules. Y'all get that? Y'all hearing me this morning? So let's, let's just remember this as we continue, and I want to remind us all, and let's see if you remember this from last week, what is our theme of the story of Elijah? Someone said it. Anyone? He is a man just like us. Elijah is a man just like us. What does it say about Elijah? It says, now Elijah, the Tishbite from Tishba in Gilead. That's significant as well, because Tishba is a place that is so insignificant, so small that it's not even found on a map. It is one of those towns that if you're ever driving through rural Florida, you know, and you see that now entering you're like, oh, okay, cool. And then it's like, now leaving. Like, what happened? I don't know. I saw a squirrel, I think. Was that it? That was the one resident of that place? That is Tishba. It is so small. 
and so insignificant that it's not even found on a map. And God says, I'm going to use Elijah the Tishbite from Tishba, and I'm going to make sure to include that in my word to face the most evil king that Israel has ever had. He's not born with a silver spoon in his mouth. He doesn't wear gold diapers when he was a baby. He's Elijah the Tishbite from Tishba, a nobody from nowhere that God uses powerfully. Y'all, don't tell me that you can't be used too. It's not about where you're from. So it's not about James from Jacksonville, okay? It's not about John from New York or Rob from South Africa, right? It's not about Dave from the Bahamas or Jim from California or Kyle from Jamaica or anybody else. It's not about where we're from. It's who resides in us. It's who resides in us. And so Elijah, the Tishbite from Tishba, understands his true origin story. Though it is short in the Bible, he knows how powerful it is. And his origin story is what he is, uses, it's what he uses to confront this king. That's what he uses. So I ask us this morning, what is our origin story? Do we understand truly and fully what our origin story is? Because listen, y'all. When we understand our origin story, we can manifest heavenly solutions to earthly problems. I want to say that again. We can manifest heavenly solutions to earthly problems when we understand where we came from and who we are. If we walk in that truth, we will change people's lives. We will be able to go and confront the most evil king confidently and say, my name is James and I serve the living God. We don't hide out in the corner and cower in fear over what's going on in the world. So, you know, let, let's, let's just pause for a second. And I, I want to, the world is a crazy place right now, but the world was a crazy place back then, right? Temples were being torn down. Baal temples were, were being built, right? It wasn't all just unicorns and rainbows back in the Bible, all right? This is nothing new. This is just the world that we live in. And it's gnarly, but it's nothing new. So we have to stop lamenting that and start understanding who we are and where we come from. And the truth is this, y'all. Every single one of us, you were created on purpose for a purpose. You were created on purpose for a purpose. And our origin does not begin with the day that we were born here on earth. You know when it begins? The beginning of time. Our origin story begins with God creating the world. And as he stands out of time, right, because he's not subject to time, he looks and he saw, he saw each one of us. He said, your origin story starts now. As my plan unfolds, and I want to I tell every single one of you in here, everybody watching online, listen to this. You have a purpose. Don't think for one second that you don't have a purpose because you do, because your origin story says so. You were created by the creator for a purpose. And you know what's so sad about the world? The world says our origin story is an accident. That we just, just kind of happened. Like the world was just, was just created, which don't mean to get on my soapbox here, but I cannot for the life of me fathom how people can believe that when we see just the beauty of the world and how intricate it's made. It's the height of arrogance to me that we can think that it's by accident. But what that message says is that we're, we were just created on accident. We really don't have a purpose. And we wonder why people struggle and why people are lost. Because the world says over and over that you don't have a purpose. You're just here to live and then you're going to die and that's going to be it. God says, no, 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 no. I created you on purpose. And I have something very special for you planned. 
and I can use you. And it doesn't matter if you're from Tishba or wherever. If I call you to face the most evil king, you got what it takes. So whatever God is calling you to do, I want you to hear this morning that you have what it takes. Let's start, let's start understanding and walking in the truth of what the Bible says about all of us this morning. Every single one of us. Right? This is not for the person next to you. It is for you. When we turn our lives over to Jesus, this is what he says. We are his ambassadors. We're his representation. We are more than conquerors. He says that you are the salt of the earth, the light of the world. That your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. A temple of the Holy Spirit. He says that we are a chosen people, a royal priesthood and a holy nation. He says that you are a child of God and a co-heir with Christ. He says that you are his masterpiece. His masterpiece. Ephesians 2.10, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. Listen, did y'all hear that part? Created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. You are his masterpiece. You are his workmanship. So when we look at creation and we marvel at what God has done and we say, how could anyone not believe in a creator? You need to look in the mirror and say the same thing about yourself. Well, I don't feel it sometimes. It doesn't, it doesn't feel that way to me. I don't, I don't see that. Well, don't believe yourself. Believe what the Lord says, because he's not a liar. He created you on purpose, for a purpose, and did not make a mistake. He stood outside of time and says, I'm placing you right there, right then. And for whatever I call you to, you have enough because you're mine and you are my, my ambassador and, and wherever you go, I go with you. So whether it's at the grocery store or at the throne of the evil king, God is with us in all of it and he is with you in all of it. So as God creates us, the opposite is that Satan doesn't create. He counterfeits. He makes phonies and fakes. And if you have a counterfeit $100 bill, it might look awesome. I mean, it might look the part, but the truth is it has no value whatsoever. And the thing about Elijah, when he goes to the king, he knew that the gods that they were introducing into Israel were counterfeits. They were fake. They had no value. And what he had was real because God creates Satan counterfeits. And if you look in the world that we live in today, Everything in the world is a counterfeit. It's a fake of what God has created. And there's no value in it. There's no life in it. But Jesus is saying, hey, you want all those things? I have what is real. I have it. And I'm offering it to you for free. I'm offering it to you for free. And I'm telling you that your origin story, who you are, you are here for a purpose. It's not by accident. But will we receive it? Or will we continue to just buy into the counterfeit? Second Timothy 1.7, a familiar verse, for God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. God has not given us a spirit of fear, y'all. He has not given us a spirit of fear. He didn't create that in us. 
And when we start walking in who we really are, we'll look a lot more like Elijah, a man just like us. He was not born in royalty, the Tishbite from Tishba, able to face a king. But will we? When we dare to believe, y'all, that Jesus can do the impossible, when we believe those things, we will attract others to him. When we believe that Jesus can do the impossible and we pray like it and we talk like it and we act like it, we will attract others to him. But if as Christ's ambassadors, we go into rooms timid and afraid and not wondering what's going to happen and worried and all this stuff, like that's not, y'all, it's not attractive. It's not attractive. And I say over and over again that the world is looking at Christians right now. And we might not think it, we might not feel it, but they're looking. And when we go to into rooms, are we acting like Christ's ambassador? Are we really believing that he can do the impossible? That he can do the impossible. And look, I'll be honest, most of our callings is not going to be to go to the king and confront, you know, and rebuke him, right? But maybe just maybe it's to invite that person again to church for the 10th or 11th or 12th time. Or when someone is confiding in us, rather than us saying, okay, I'm going to pray for you about that. And then the conversation ends and we leave. We actually take in that moment, we stop and say, can I pray for you right now? You know, I want to challenge all of us in here this morning. Never do the former. If, if, if any of us, and I'm sure all of us are guilty of that, where we, with the best intentions, we say, hey, I'm going to pray. I'll be praying for you. And then we leave. And maybe we even do pray for them. But a lot of times we forget. Let's not do that anymore. Let's stop that right now. Let's say, can I pray for you right now? Well, I don't really don't have time. It'll only take a second. And honor that. But believe in that moment as Christ's ambassadors that Jesus can do the impossible. And just see what happens. But let's take those moments, y'all, to be bold, to be brave, to be Christ's ambassadors. And in that moment, knowing that the Holy Spirit is in us and with us, knowing that Jesus can do the impossible, that Elijah was from Tishba, that in that moment we can pray for them and miracles can happen too. But we have to stop and do it. We have to stop and do it. Will we? Because as we do, as we do, we are inviting heavenly solutions to earthly problems and people will be drawn to Jesus, and revivals will happen. Revivals will happen, y'all, but we have to be brave. We have to understand that God can do it, that we bring Jesus with us wherever we go, and that creation will never outrule the creator. I want to pivot on this story, and it's, and it's important that we do because it's in the scripture. I want to go to verse 2, and it says in verse 2 of chapter 17, then the word of the Lord came to Elijah. Leave here, turn eastward, and hide in the Kareth Ravine east of the Jordan. All right, we're going to stop there. And I, it's, it's such an interesting, there's this opposite actions happening here with Elijah when we meet him. In the first verse, he's confronting the king, and he's making this super bold statement, right? My name's Elijah. I serve God. He is the God of Israel. He lives. It's not going to rain, or there's not going to be any dew until I say so. Boom, right? Huge moment. Elijah's brave. This whole sermon up until now is about being like Elijah, right? 
verse 2 and 3. Okay, I want you to go and hide now. Like, what? Like, huh? Like, hide? I just did this awesome thing. That doesn't seem to make any sense. James, we just spent the last 20, 30 minutes talking about how we're ambassadors and we're more than conquerors. And, you know, we're not talking about hide and seek here, right? But here's what we need to understand, a clear distinction. It says in verse 2, Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah. Not Elijah thought to himself. The word of the Lord came to Elijah. And God told Elijah, it is now time to go and hide in the Kareth ravine. And we'll get to what that looks like for him next week. Spoiler alert, it ain't pretty. But why this conflicting three verses here? Because when we hide in the Lord, we're not hiding in fear. We're hiding in preparation. And we can get to these places where we confront the king or we make this huge step of faith, right? And we think the job is done. Or maybe for some of us in here, we've lived our life with the Lord and we've reached that age where we've, you know, where it's retirement and we're good and we say we're done. She's saying, nah, I still got more for you. And so as God is calling Elijah to hide, what he is saying first is, I'm preparing you for more. And second, he's saying, the enemy didn't like what you just did. And yes, there's going to be a response. But what we need to understand, we're going to see this later on in the story, but you're going to, you're going to hear me say this exact point in a few weeks. But that after our greatest victories is when we are most vulnerable. When we have amazing mountaintop moments or this, this, this thing that has happened with the Lord that is just monumentous in our life, it is in those moments that we are the most vulnerable. Listen, I'll, I'll be real honest with you all. The times when I, when, I, when I doubt my abilities here at the church is usually minutes after I get off the stage or Sunday afternoon, I'm like, that was a clunker, right? Man, <sighs> interesting to see who's gonna come next week, right? Because we're tired, we put all this time into things and whatever that looks like in your own life, when we have our greatest victories, we are the most vulnerable. And Elijah has just had this huge moment with the king. And God knows, God knows exactly how he's going to be. And sure enough, we see it later on in the story. But in this moment, he says, all right, now I want you to come and hide with me. And I'm going to prepare you for more because if you think that talking to a king is going to be your greatest feat, just wait. Just wait. And I want to say to some of us in here, if you think that you have reached the apex of your walk with the Lord, just wait. Just wait. So then the question is, how do we know? How do we know when to hide? How do we know what hiding is? Well, I'll be real honest with you. It's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will lead us in that. But you need to ask yourself, if you're in a season of where you feel like you're just, you're just in this place of hiding, this place of waiting, I want to ask, are you doing it out of fear? Because if that's the case, then it's wrong. Or are you doing it because the Lord has you there? Listen to the words of David in Psalm 17. He says, keep me as the apple of your eye. Hide me in the shadow of your wings from the wicked who are out to destroy me, from my mortal enemies who surround me. This is the same David, y'all, who a few weeks ago we talked about 
slaying Goliath, right? He told Goliath, today I'm going to kill you. I'm going to cut off your head. He is now saying, Lord, hide me. This is not about how brave we are, right? This is not about our abilities. This is about the seasons in our life that we go through. Seasons where we fight the enemy and seasons where we prepare for more. But there are both. And we need to understand that. And we see that in the text of Elijah here. Verse 1 to verse 3. Just like that. Confront the king, now go hide. You stirred the hornet's nest, now go hide. And I'm going to prepare you for what is to come next. And that's the Lord, y'all. I hate to tell us, but listen, there's always more. God is always working on us. There's always the next mission, right? We are Christ's ambassadors all the time. And sometimes to do that job, we need to take a step back and we need to hide under the shadow of his wing and be protected by God. You know, birds teach their their young how to fly and they also put their wings over them to protect them from predators. Parents will push their children, right, in certain areas and then also protect them in others. It's parenting. It's what God does to us. Because he is a good father. He is a good, heavenly father. But I want to say this this morning to all of us. Elijah is a man just like us. The Tishbite from Tishba. His origin story told him that he was so much more than that. And that he had the king of kings and the Lord of lords with him wherever he went. And he brought that into the most evil king of all of Israel. And that's why he was able to be so bold. That's why he was able to defy the king in this moment. Because he knew who he was. Are y'all walking in the truth of who you are? Are you? Are you walking according to the word of God says? Because if so, you have a lot of power in you, through Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, to change people's lives, to change rooms, to pray over people, and to believe the impossible to happen. We got to live it, and we got to believe it. And when God calls us to hide, that's not saying that our purpose is wrong. It's confirming our purpose. Hiding confirms our purpose. It doesn't deny it. It doesn't take it back. I want to call the band up this morning, and um, we're going to close with a time of communion, a time of prayer. And you know, as I was reading this, thinking about you know, our origin story and all those things, the reason that our origin story is the same for all of us, it's because it's not about where we were born. It's about the fact that we were born again in Jesus. Our origin story, God saw us from the beginning, But in terms of our life that we are living now here on earth, our origin story begins when we receive Jesus as our Savior. We are made that new creation. And we accept Him in our heart. The Holy Spirit comes in. And we're free from all those other things. Because the truth is, we are created on purpose for a purpose. But the other truth is that Jesus, who was in the beginning was the Word and was the Word and all things were created through Him and He was the light and darkness has not overcome it. That Jesus 
came here on purpose and died on purpose for you and for me. That was his purpose. It wasn't an accident. It wasn't happenstance. He died for each one of us on purpose so that we could have this brand new origin story that starts the day that we meet him and everything before us, everything before that time is gone. We're made clean. All those mistakes, all those mess ups, all those regrets are gone like that. And he does the impossible in us. He takes that sin and he removes it from us. He washes us clean. So we have this brand new origin story that says, I am created on purpose for a purpose. And I take Jesus every single place that I go, into every room, to the outdoors, in every conversation, in every prayer. And I can walk with confidence in that. And so whether I am going into a grocery store or whether I am facing the most evil king in all of Israel, it doesn't matter. Do you understand that to God, both of those things are the same thing? Because creation will never outrule the creator. He has the authority. Satan is a fake, y'all. He doesn't have the power. He doesn't have the authority. He creates counterfeits. The authority lives in us. The authority lives in you. And I want to challenge each one of us, as scary as it might seem, scary as it might be to y'all. Let's start acting like it for other people, but also for us, for your own life. Understand that the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit is in you. And everywhere you go, he goes with you. Let's start praying. Let's start worshiping. Let's start talking as if Jesus really can do the impossible because he can. I believe it. I know it. I've seen it. Jesus gave his life. He died on the cross so that we could live that way, not so that we could walk around defeated all the time. There's victory in him. That's the life that he gave up for us so that we could have that life. Life of victory. Thank you, Jesus, for that. Can we stand up this morning? And I want to pray over us, but I also want to, as we're doing communion this morning, I just felt I want to, I want to have an opportunity. If you've never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I'm going to lead us in a prayer. A lot of times we just we leave space for this time for you to have that conversation with Jesus on your own in your seat. And I think that's a beautiful, amazing thing. But today, because we're doing communion, we're going to do a prayer where I'm going to ask you to repeat after me. And if you've received Jesus as your Savior, if you love the Lord, just join with me in that and repeat it as well. Because I, as a parent myself, I never get tired of my girls saying they love me. I don't think Jesus ever gets tired of us saying that prayer ever, 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 ever. So let's just confirm that. But if it is your, if you've never received Jesus and you want Jesus in your life, now is your moment. And then I'm going to pray over communion. If, you, if you're not familiar with communion, we take communion because Jesus told us to. It's in his word. He says, do these things in remembrance of me. Take this bread that, that is a symbol of his body that was broken, beaten, and bruised, torn apart on the cross for us. 
we take the cup, remembering his blood that was shed that makes us clean, that washes away the sin. And so as we take communion this morning, we are remembering Jesus' very real sacrifice in our lives. And as we do so, what I'm going to ask is if you're in these two middle sections, as you come up, come up the middle aisle, don't go up the side, and then return to your seats on the side aisles. And those on the wings, you can just come up those same aisles and then return to your seats up against the aisles, against the wall. And we have bread and we have some cups with juice here. And this is an important part. Please listen to this. As you take bread, dip it in the juice. Don't drink out of the cup. I love y'all, but I don't know, I don't know where you've been, all right? And so take the bread, especially for those that, that showed up to community groups last week. Listen to this, all right? Are we listening? Take the bread, dip it in the juice, and then take it. And what we're also going to do after that, after you've taken and received communion, we're going to have our elders and wives to the sides of the stage on the side. If you need prayer for anything at all, if you're believing for Jesus to do the impossible in your life, you need Jesus to do the impossible in your life, come receive prayer from our elders. But man, look, look y'all, I said last week, I believe we're in a season of more. We're a season of God is, is, is wanting us to do more. And last week it was about laying things down in our life that we don't really need anymore. We've got us calling us now to do more. We've got us reminding us who we are, who we are in him. And that our origin story begins with him because it's all about Jesus. So will we do it? And I believe y'all, I know that if we will, we are gonna see signs, miracles, and wonders in this place. We really are. I'm not being a salesman, y'all. It's because that's what the word says. We need to do it. It's time. So Father, thank you so much for your faithfulness in our life. Thank you that no matter where we go, you are with us. And we never have to walk with our head down. We can walk knowing that we are Christ's ambassadors. What a title you have given us, Lord. Do we deserve it? Absolutely not. But you have given it to us. You've bestowed that upon us. Hallelujah. God, I pray that you would bring courage and strength and bravery to us, Lord, and that you would open our eyes to those people that you bring along our path to be light to them, to be truth to them, to be hope to them. That when the world says you don't have any purpose, you're here by accident, we would say, I don't think so. The creation, the creator of the world, creator of the world died for you on purpose because you have purpose, because you're loved. So God, give us that fire to burn inside us, to be that light to those that desperately need it. And so if y'all would, in this moment, just repeat after me. And if you've never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, this is your moment. So repeat these words after me. Dear Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God. I believe that you came, that you lived, that you died, and that you rose again for me. I ask you to come into my heart and to be Lord of my life. Forgive me of my sins. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. And so, Father, right now we thank you for your, for your body that was beaten and bruised and broken, whipped. Jesus, you were spit on, you were mocked, and you endured more pain than we could ever imagine. All for us. And so, Lord, as we come this morning, 
we take the bread, we do so remembering your body that was broken. We say thank you. Father, we thank you for your blood that was poured out for us. Our spotless lamb, our perfect savior, lived a perfect life. And that perfect blood poured out to make us new every single day, washing us clean. Thank you, Jesus, for your blood that is more powerful than any sin that we could ever commit. God, we're just grateful. Jesus, we're grateful that even though creation can never outrule the creator, you as the creator came down and laid down your life. You gave up your spirit on purpose for us. And we just say thank you. And that when you are with us, when you come into our life and we walk with you, you change everything. You change everything, Lord. So thank you for that, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. So we're going to worship. If you would, just make your way to the front and you can receive communion this morning.